Hey, everybody, this is At Home, Linda and Drew Scott hanging with you. Linda just punched her mic. The mic just punched me. Was that you trying to like Sylvester Stallone it up the stairs right there? <laughs> anyway, I have a little something sad to tell you guys about. What? My sport career is over. Oh, my gosh. You can't start a conversation what? like that. This especially, is important to me. Especially now. You can't, yeah, like you're going to freak people out. Well, I'm very quickly telling you what I'm talking about. Yeah, but even I freaked out. Okay, <laughs> sorry. I'll back this up a bit. I'm going to tell you about my sport career, my athlete career, and oh, yeah, it's going that's to be sad. very sad. <laughs> <laughs> Ouch. I wanted, as a kid, I wanted nothing more than to be in the NBA. I wanted to be a basketball player. And, you know, I was, I was okay. I was decent. And yesterday I was just trying to throw, like I had the pit of my peach. I was just trying to throw it in the garbage can. Uh, and... I was not even close. I tried several times. I hit somebody walking by, which is dumb. What? Yeah, because, well, they walked in the room as I was trying to throw it and I didn't see them. And anyway, were they like, you peach. You peach of Drew. Uh, then I hit the wall and then I hit in behind the garbage can. And then when I thought I got it in in the end, I actually missed and it was sitting next to Did the garbage Did anyone can. see this? Yeah. Oh, oh that's yeah. amazing. They made fun of me. Maybe it's the pit telling you you were supposed to compost it. It's very true. Yes. Yes, that's it's like actually, I don't belong here. I just think that it's that moment when you realize it's time to retire. You can't retire from something if you listen. In my mind, in I was it. amazing at it, and I was in it. Just All no, right. nobody was paying me to play, and <laughs> no, nobody was covering me in the news about how I had a highlight moment. Did someone get it on camera? No. Oh. Well. On the athlete side of our conversation, it's actually really exciting for us because our guest this week is Michelle Kwan, two-time Olympic medalist, five-time world champion, nine-time U.S. champion. She is the greatest of all time, in my opinion, when it comes to figure skating. We used to watch her as kids and um, I used to pretend to figure skate on carpet. I'm sure my carpet parents burn. loved that. No, so I would put on skates. And really? I would and I would slide around the carpet. Uh, you you hide it with the old yeah, shag. Yeah, but I remember watching her at the Olympics and just thinking, that is so so cool. And yeah, I don't know how one does that. Well, at such a young age too, when she was heavily training at eight years old, and I can remember watching her at the Olympics and thinking, she's younger than me. I still have a chance. Not that I can skate, but I was I was I was trying. I can remember thinking of every sport I could possibly do at the Olympics. I'm still addicted to the Olympics. I absolutely love that level of elite skill. Mm -hmm. And I love I love seeing the different countries united like all in one place mm -hmm. for the love of sport. And, yeah, and it's nice when you see them supporting each other. Yeah. You know, they're competing, but they're not trying to, most of the athletes are not trying to knock each other down. They're just trying to support each other and may the best person win. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. I miss the, so what happened with the Olympics? Is they just postponed it, right? Postponed it to yeah. next year. And, and hopefully, depending on what happens with COVID, it will be next year. Because a lot of those athletes, this will be their last season to compete. Well, I want to dive in. No, I want to skate in to some you great wanna conversation. You want to glide in. I want to glide in to this conversation yeah. with Michelle Kwan. Yeah. 
Okay, if ADT wasn't professional enough, now ADT installs Google Nest products with their smart home security systems because ADT believes the smarter the home, the safer the security. I mean, what are they going to do next? They're, they're going to start a country singing career. I would listen to a country band named ADT. Also, I like to know what's happening at our front door from virtually anywhere with my Google Nest doorbell. Just saying. Your Google Nest doorbell? I said our. He said my. Everybody check that. Yeah. All right. Well, I like to control my ADT smart devices like my lights, my locks. (laughs) My security system with Google Nest speakers and displays. And I like to say, hey, Google, to get started. Listen, I said ours. I'm all about ours, not mine. (laughs) Help protect what matters most with all this, plus 24-7 professional monitoring from ADT and a little help from Google. Visit ADT.com to see how ADT can help make your home smarter and safer. I can feel the love My, my dog's watching me up over my shoulder. <laughs> is that your 16-year-old pup? She's going to be 17 in like 23 days. Oh my, oh gosh. my gosh. What kind of pup is she? She doesn't walk. She's a, a multi-poo. She doesn't uh, walk? No, she doesn't. I mean, I I use the leash as sort of a harness uh, like under her hind legs mm-hmm. and she kind of wobbles and she really thinks that she can walk. Like... She scoots herself to places. Like if I leave the house for, for some, some reason, I leave her for like 30 minutes. <laughs> she, you, you'll see her like, I come into the front door and she's at the front door. So mm. she'll like crawl over. It's oh really my like- gosh, that's love. You know what, that's what I love about puppies though, because um, if you go away for five minutes or five days, they give you that same unconditional love and they're so excited to see you. Like you walk out of the room and back in and all of a sudden it's like, oh my oh, you're gosh. Back. <laughs> yeah. You're back. Although she's sometimes like, she kind of looks at me, it's like side eye and she's like, mm, you're back. Where were you? <laughs> it's, it's like this like puppy mama guilt. I don't she's know judging what she does. You. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Have you ever, I'm going to judge you when I, when I say this, have you ever put her in a pram, like a little baby stroller and walked her around town. Be honest. Yes. So guilty. (laughs) But she can't walk. Oh, actually. Now I have an excuse, right? Yeah, Yeah, Yeah. Linda, she can't walk now. Oh yeah, so she did it before that you had an excuse (laughs) and you were that person in LA. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yes. Going way back to the beginning of, of your career skating, um, what what was the catalyst for getting you into or excited about skating? Was it your own choice, um, knowing that you'd have to put in a lot of hours, or were you encouraged? Like I was encouraged by my parents heavily to get into karate, and then we competed nationally. But then you're a whole other level compared to what we did. Well, I started at five years old, and it was by you know our choosing. I say our because my sister and I both kind of made the same decision together. Uh, we played a bunch of sports. We played gymnastics and. My siblings, I have an older brother too, uh, played various instruments, piano, flute, violin, but I'm the younger baby. So I never actually had the opportunity to play an instrument because Asian Americans, they strongly, parents strongly encourage, I don't know, Linda, if you 
ever played an instrument, but it's like, play something. But when it came to me, I think they gave up on instruments because we just don't have the genes for it. They're like, no, don't, don't do that. Don't waste your time. Uh, so I, I fell in love with gymnastics. And then I think skating was the one that kind of captured my heart because the costumes were so just beautiful the music and there was just such such freedom um when you see the ice rink when it's like what 200 by 100 and there's just like this it's it's like a canvas right for skaters to make their own Mm. program and to dance on the ice it was just so unusual right um and definitely not pushed by my parents but I gotta say when I was like seven or eight when I got very competitive my parents did go like do you really want to do it? I mean, you're training at five o'clock in the morning. We're, we're driving, waking up at four. Like it, they really questioned it and said, if it's a decision that you want to make, then you have to work hard. So it was kind of a, a, a fine balance, right? Mm. Between like yeah. really wanting to chase after your dreams and a little nudge from your parents going like, you got to stay focused. You got to yeah. like continue to work hard and mm. we're investing all, and sacrificing a lot. Yeah, we got to get up at 3.30 in the morning for you. <laughs> yeah, exactly, right? Yeah, I would sleep with my skating tights so then I could just wake up and roll out of bed and like be ready. Oh my gosh, that's hilarious. <laughs> that, that's so surprising and refreshing to hear that, you know, it wasn't your parents that that forced you or, or pushed you, you know, to go hard at this. What was it besides the, you know, the beautiful costumes and the freedom? How does a seven or eight-year-old decide like, this is what I want, like... How did you have that foresight to be like, I'm going to get this? That's an interesting question because looking back at my seven-year-old self, I I still remember it like yesterday, vividly Mm. watching the Olympics. And it was the 88 Olympics that was the the Olympic Games that was like a game changer for me. It was like as if like a light bulb went off on my head. And I remember standing up and being like making this like family announcement, right? I was like... Everybody, listen, listen to me. I want to go to the Olympics. Like that's that's what I want to do. That's what I want to be for the rest of my life. And and you know, for the rest of my life, that's what I wanted to be. And and for twenty years uh, following that, I never had a question like what I wanted to do. I wanted to be the best figure skater possible. <laughs> you were. I mean, yeah. I I think most. I, I think if we asked most people in the country, they would say you are the goat of of figure skating. You're the greatest of all time. Was it you were coined for having silent blades? I think is what they called it because like, you were so quiet on the ice. Uh, and I just remember my mom would say, "See that? See, she's doing those big moves. You can't even hear her on the ice. Look at that. She's like she's like skating silently." Um, what, what I'm really curious though, as at a young age, how did that affect your your home life, and how did that affect your circle of friends? Because you couldn't just go out and hang with friends the way that everybody else is. You had to be disciplined. I was actually reminiscing with my father uh, this week about when I was training for the Olympics and how it was very isolating. And I mean, I had a job to do, right? So I would train so many hours in a day, uh, multiple times going back and forth to the ice rink, then going to the gym, taking a nap, a power nap, and and everything revolved around skating. I mean, mm-hmm. as far back as I can remember from the age of five to, you know, when I started to actually, quote, quote, train, you know, skate multiple times a day. I guess my whole life revolved around it. 
and it never was like mm-hmm. a sacrifice. When people said, "How much did you sacrifice for for the sport?" I I see it as a choice. I cho- mm-hmm. I chose to do what I did. You know, I, it was a full. It consumed me. Everything that I you know ate to how many hours I slept to how much time I can you know play with my friends or hang out. I didn't do that much hanging out with friends, you know, and I, I never thought it as missing out on my childhood. I mean, I, I was very lucky because I had such fun siblings and like mm-hmm. my sister skated. So it was very much like I had, I had my sister and I had my family and I had skaters that had the same goals of mine. So I never really mm-hmm. felt like I missed out. And I think I, I made up for it post competitive career and went back to school and then went to grad school. I felt like, oh, this is what everybody is talking about. This is like the the conversations that you have, the, you know, things outside of something that evolved in th- this little circle of the sport of figure skating. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. It's just how I grew up. You know, I, I think I had such a blessed career and I had the honor of traveling the world, representing the United States and people were learning about geography. I was actually traveling to Japan and other countries and Italy and, so you know, cool. all. <laughs> so it, it was really surreal, you know, to think yeah. about it. So gr- growing up in that bubble though, did you ever, cause we've always seen you as such, you know, a strong, confident, positive woman, but growing up in that, in an industry where everything is so focused on your physical appearance, were there any negativities you had to face, you know, dealing with that in your formative years? Um, it is a very subjective sport. So yes, uh, I, I feel like there's a lot of scrutiny on what you wear and mm-hmm. judgment on your costume and how you look. And for a sport, and you hear it often, uh, depending on what sport you're in, but like in gymnastics and figure skating, there's a lot of eating disorders. There's a lot of like, because it's based judgment sort, sort of on your, on your appearance as well. Mm-hmm. And I remember when I was a kid, my dad like this is not a fashion show this is you're there you know trying to land your triple lutz and I think one time when somebody pulled me aside uh I will not name her um but she said to me you know your costume seemed a bit plain and you didn't have enough makeup and that was like sort of the reason why I didn't do better Hmm. and I was like (laughs) Like, like, watch please this, tell me, watch like, me. <laughs> well, that, and this is, is this an adult? You were a kid at the time. This is an adult telling you this? Yes, I was 17. Yeah. And I took, my takeaway message was really like, not to wear more mascara or to have flashier costumes. It was more like, I'm going to be authentic to who I am. And yeah. I am going to continue to choose the music that best suits me. And what I love, because at the end of the day, I have to live with what I, what I, the decisions that I make. And you know what? I love that your your parents were really supportive of that as well, because you, you you're in sport. So so was I growing up, and and you hear the nightmares of the like the hockey parents or the uh, or the the dance parents or whatever sport it might be, and how some of them it's more about the competition and what you have to do, sacrifice and do to get there instead of being true to yourself. But when you're on the ice, I mean. That's the one thing that we really loved and my mom uh, loved as well. She's like, look how uh, you're so graceful on the ice, but in your expression, in your face, you just looked like you were loving every minute of what you were doing. You didn't need a bunch of makeup, 
behind that, like you felt relaxed and really in the moment and loving it. But behind that, were you ever like, holy shit, I'm nervous? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Some other words come into mind. <laughs> yeah. But I, I think <laughs> I think one of the things that uh, shocked me is when everyone's like, You're, you so, seem so confident out there and... And I, I think it's because of practicing and preparing that, like, I'm there to do a job. I'm nervous, yes. Like, if you don't, if you're not nervous, you, you're gonna be crazy. I, I think of those moments, and I think of like, how did I do that at, you know, 13 at the World yeah. Championships? How did I do that at 15 when I won my first world title? Like, how did I do yes. that? Like, that's crazy. Yeah. Uh, but. I, <laughs> But I think it was just like more like I'm going to tackle what I I've come here to do and and focus at like the task at hand mm-hmm. as opposed to going what if what happens if I do this um, and just owning owning everything. And I love that too because that's such a great life lesson for so many people that your mindset and and what your internal dialogue is with yourself can really set you on a path for success. If you're saying to yourself, I don't know if I can do this, I don't know if I can do this, you're reinforcing that negativity and you're probably not going to do this. And so I like that you had that determination. Like you said, even at a young age, announcing to your family, everyone from this moment forward, I am going to be the best figure skater on the planet. (laughs) But So once you decided you were going to retire from skating, what was what was the thought going through your head? What was your feeling? Were you nervous as to now what? That's exactly what I was thinking. Like to be honest, it was this. I've never felt such a, you know, almost emptiness uh, and and question of like what's next. Um, like I said, for twenty years of my life, I never had a question. The season was always the same. And then you know when the Olympics are. The Olympics are usually in February. And then you know when the national championships are. The world championships are usually in March. So it's like you had such a, you know, it, everything was planned in advance, way, way, way in advance. Mm-hmm. Um, but suddenly that's kind of not taken away from you. It's no longer there. Um, and it's it's this feeling of like, now what? And Wait, can we backtrack a sec? I, how, yeah. So do you decide you're going to retire or like at what point were you like, okay, no, I, you know, this chapter is done. Like, is it, uh, or does the Olympic committee say like, no, you're, you're done. Like how, you're how does that old, work? Yeah. No. yeah. <laughs> no, it's a decision that you make. I mean, it's, it's very different for professional, uh, athletes. Like if you're in the NFL, you know, they're the team's like, okay, well you're not no hmm. longer on the team. You're not, you know, in, in the sport of figure skating, you kind of make that decision, like whether or not you're going to compete at the next competition. Mm-hmm. You, you kind of have to try to figure out, okay, when you finish skating, like what is the next step? And to me, education was so important um, that it was like a must on my end. And so it was like an immediate, like, okay, I've got now a plan. But it was very, um, I guess, a very harsh contrast between like training for the Olympics and and going to your classes and taking, yeah. you know, 16, you know, you know, it's like, it's so different, you know, and it took a bit of adjusting, but yeah. I, I found myself really in love of like learning. And, you know, if I missed out on the 
experience of going to school, regular school when I was in, you know, middle school and high school, um, I was really getting that experience of college. ADT now professionally installs Google Nest products with their smart home security systems because ADT believes the smarter the home, the safer the security. Help protect what matters most with 24-7 professional monitoring from ADT and a little help from Google. You said that very professionally. I try. (laughs) Visit ADT.com to see how ADT can help you make your home smarter and safer. So, and then you, but you did your first, it was what, 98, you went to UCLA and then you went back to school in 2006 to finish your degree. And then, and then I know you studied international relations. So what was the, what was the plan there? Well, again, like there was no real plan. (laughs) Uh, I felt like when I was at UCLA and I was enrolled there, I was sort of on a, a 10 year track, not a 10 year track. <laughs> I, I was taking like a course here, a course here, a course there. And at that rate, I was like, this is going to take me 10 years. And so after 2006 is when I said, okay, well, I'm going to, I need to devote my time to really going back to school full time. And so that's, that's sort of what my thinking was. And then after getting my degree in poli sci and IR, I, I ended up going, okay, well, I feel like I still need to learn. I still need to. And at that point too, I had considered actually coming back and, and competing again. And I remember getting all my triples, which was really hard because if you take a year off, you don't just take a year off in skating and come back to where you left off. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I came back after my injury, you know, after a few years and was doing quite well. And I had applied to grad school. And then I was like, if I have, I think it was like a year and some months to come back, like full. My heart was just not in it. And I was like, Mm. this was was just like a fun test to see if (laughs) there was still gas in the tank, you know? And and then I was like, no, let's go to grad school. (laughs) And (laughs) I think it was the perfect decision. Your household name, household face, and uh, and then you could use that for such great things, working with the Special Olympics, and then also using your voice as you get involved more in politics as well. I still get asked to perform, and I'm like, no, nah, I, I just don't know. Like, <laughs> uh, to me, to me, I felt like I needed a, a fresh start, and I sort of looked at my life, going, well, what am I passionate about? What is the area that I you know, would want to make a difference. And how do I do that? And I'm glad that I had that two years in grad school to think about, you know, possibly working at the Department of State because I was traveling as a public diplomacy envoy on behalf of the Department of State already. And I was like, well, maybe I should get a real job. <laughs> That's <laughs> when I, I started to like tinker with the idea of going into an area of diplomacy, which I ended up doing after grad school. And then got into politics uh, in a with no intention of it. When you were traveling abroad, and I, again, I don't know if this is still a part of um, what you you do, and you were encouraging those constructive relationships between the U.S. and China. What was that experience like? Well, my first trip was to China as an envoy, and I have to say that it was very eye opening because uh, when you when you're thinking of the 
people to people exchanges when, you know, I myself was traveling to countries and engaging, it was really connecting to a younger audience, talking about sports, things that we have in common and having a real dialogue about um, education and things that we have in common sports. And it was just fascinating. Um, and I, I know that all these various programs that are within, within the Department of State, you know, we have educational programs, um, music programs, sports programs are just really a great way to have this incredible dialogue between countries. Uh, so that, that sort of opened my eyes into my interest in international relations, again, with no intention of, you know, working at the Department of State, just sort of fascinated by, you know, some of the programs that have initiatives that have been implemented. Uh, so I kind of dove myself into just based on my curiosity and then ended up working at the Department of State at the Bureau of Educational and Cultural Affairs. So it was just like a, a roundabout, you know, it, I don't know. I still don't know what I'm going to do for the rest of my life. <laughs> you asked me in two years, what are you going to do? I'm like, but hey. I, I seem to follow, follow my heart. And, and you're so dedicated to just uh, speaking about, about values and just getting, just starting a conversation, I think in, in a very, in a way that is not aggressive and it really sparks other people's curiosities because you know, you can see how dedicated you are just to bringing communities together. What, what values right now are, are you most, you know, fighting for? Like what, why are you doing what you do? Well, we have over a month um, from now till election day. Um, I work for Vice President Joe Biden uh, and Kamala Harris on their presidential campaign. I've been on the campaign trail for a year and a half. To your question, Linda, you know, politics can be very, very divisive. Um, you see, you know, on the debate stage, even the left and the right and the left and the right. And I think it's finding common ground. I think we're not always going to agree. We're not always going to be on the same page, but we can have these difficult conversations. And this is where perhaps my diplomacy and um, background comes in is that we can have these conversations and somewhere we can compromise and, and move our country forward. I just hope that, you know, people know that the power of their own voice and utilizing their voice to make a difference. Um, there's an election coming around November 3rd. And, you know, if you haven't already, make sure that you're registered to vote. I encourage mm. people to go to IWillVote.com and uh, make sure you're registered and make a voting plan because everyone has a voice and you have to use it. Being involved for so long with campaigning, I know um, you worked with um, Vice President Joe Biden during Obama's administration as well. Um, what, do, what do you see right now, especially right now with the, with the, the landscape um, with this divide that you're talking about as well, what do you think are some of the biggest values that we need to focus on right now? From the last you know, few years um, and everything that's happening in our, in our world and not beyond the country with this pan pandemic, you know, over 200,000 deaths, I think there's just the values of working together, of, of communicating and making deference of, in terms of making sure people have the health care that they need, making sure that we have safe schools, um, 
and I, I don't know. I, there's so much, um, you know, with the BLM marches. I mean, there's human rights, women's rights, LGBT rights, um, reproductive rights. I, I think there's just so many things at stake and uh, we have to make sure that we do as much as we can to to help each other out. It's so tiring when you see, I mean, even watching the debates, just all the yelling and shouting and cutting off and interrupting and putting up defenses. Yeah, That's not the way we need to stop that. We need to take a breath, take a step back and try to understand what the other side is saying. Try to understand what values are important to them because I think the more we understand everyone else, the more we're going to see that we can all relate and hopefully we can move forward in a more positive way where it's encouraging each other and it's encouraging equality. It's encouraging every, you know everyone to be able to love uh, one another and, and support one another. Mm-hmm. Just, yeah. Too much shouting right now. It's hurting Too much my ears. Shouting. <laughs> it's it's a democracy. Let's let's vote and it should be. Yeah. let it be what it. Yeah, we have to make sure that it's safe, um, that people are informed, and you know, in some states, people are voting already. When we're talking about this, I just go back to your experiences um, being on a team, you know, in figure skating, and I just we always try to reel conversations back into back into home. What are lessons you learned at home? I mean, it sounds like you had an incredible childhood and relationship with your parents and your siblings, but what are some key lessons you learned at home that you definitely see you applying in your life now and that you're sharing with the world? That's a very good question. Um, And I love what you two both do in terms of at home in this podcast and having this conversation because it it is about the home. Uh, For me, you know, like you said, I had such an incredible upbringing. I had such an f- incredible family unit uh, that grounded me. So everything that was going on in my life, you know, whether I was 13 competing at the Worlds or 17 competing at the Olympic Games, like I always came home and maybe it's the, um, I don't know if you, like astrology, maybe it's the cancer in me. Maybe it's like, I'm such a homebody that it, no matter what chaos is happening, I'm grounded. And mm-hmm. so you could say that, it has taught me that there's a lot of chaos out in the world and, you know, whatever you're doing, whatever your passions are, whatever your work is, like you come home and that's where it's like, ah, oh, it's mm-hmm. with your family and your loved ones. And that's the most important thing. Mm-hmm. It really is that centering point. I mean, it, it should be at least, I know a lot of people feel that, you know, at home they could use a lot more of that ah feeling, but um, that's what we love. Yeah. You know, if we're on the road filming or whatever we, we've been doing, we can come home. We literally just got home last last night, and it it gives you that moment just to sort of reset, recharge, and then take that energy back out into the world. Yeah, and and not even just the physical home. I mean, you you had it with your your Olympic teams, uh, your your coaches, and your support group. Home away from home. Yeah, like it. You like for us especially, and I think a lot of people like you find it in other people. So I know not everyone has you know a lovely physical home to go to, or maybe it's not your like your natural family unit, whether it's your friends or teachers or whatever, Mm. like, yeah. Well, I also have have that grounding center. I heard for a grounding center that you have a bucket list item that you would like to do a yoga retreat. I need to hear more about this side of your life, the the, the wellness side. So I saw that you two guys, you two have Pilates, right? In your life. Yeah, Yeah, we have have reformers and and we do a little bit of meditation and and Linda more than me, yoga. But yeah, working out, movement, um, that that centering is so important in our lives. Yes. So I I love Pilates. 
Uh, I've been actually looking for like a home Pilates equipment and still haven't figured out if you guys have gotcha. recommendations. Yeah. Yeah, we'll we'll chat okay. about that. Thank yeah. you so much for taking some time to chat with us, and uh, and also for everything that you do to really spread that positivity and, and start conversations. You really are a conversation starter for a lot of people in such a positive way, and I think especially with the election right around the corner here and everybody having to get out there and vote. I think it's really great how you're encouraging people to use their voice, use their platform to get out there and, and vote. Well, Thank I you so much. I appreciate you too. I can't wait to like, this is over so I can say hi in person. I know. Yes. <laughs> I just want to hug people yeah. and, and pet I know, dogs. Right? <laughs> Chatting with Michelle, does that make you want to try figure skating again? I can't believe we talked to Michelle. It was fun. It was so fun. She was so nice and she's so cool and smart. Yeah, she's very very smart. And actually, I wonder when she started her path as such a young kid uh, for figure skating and went to a global scale uh, of recognition, I wonder if that shaped her into how well-spoken she is today or if that was more when she went back to school for international relations and became an ambassador. But she definitely, I mean, she's passionate about connecting people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure you kind of have to get used to being in the public eye, mm-hmm. being being an Olympian. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if I would ever, I do not do well in public settings well, like this podcast is a huge stamp for me i mean it is a big step for you and the fact that you can hide under a blanket while you have these conversations <laughs> i think it's perfect if you get overwhelmed <laughs> blankets up <laughs> but what what do you think i know we've talked about for our future kids we want to we want to let them take their own paths yeah. and and whatever their passions are but there are still certain values and teachings that we want to pass on to them. And I like the idea of, I don't want to tell our kids certain things that they should, you should live your life like this, but I want to try to show by example and then also sort of subconsciously encourage that. Yeah. So what would you say is something you might do to, to encourage them for that, the creativity like you had growing up with your, your Linda just broke the cookie jar. I just decapitated the T-Rex. It's, we're no longer going to do any of no, our... No, he's alive. He's alive. Is he? Didn't, I didn't hear Hold a smash. On. Hold on. So I've been telling Linda, by the way, for every time we do the podcast, I'm like, I don't like having the cookie jar right next to your arm there. I'm like, it's a small little table. I feel it's kind of... And she's like, no, it's fine. It's fine. There's lots of room for it. It's always know, fine. But it has been fine until today. But I need like my bottle, my chapstick, my... Okay. That's her other. She I just piddled myself. Okay. What right. was I saying? Oh, yeah. <laughs> How you're going to instill a sense of calm and direction and passion in our children? Um, I think the most important thing is just playing and exploring different things. Like, yeah. I, I would be really excited to like craft days with them and mm-hmm. um, even, you know, playing sports and stuff. Like just to try everything to see what they lean towards. Yeah. Actually play is what I'm excited about because I can't remember where I, I heard there was a documentary or something and they were saying, I can't remember what country it was, but it was, was it, it Norway it was or? Some, was it Finland or? But they were, they were saying how they actually would a lot a large chunk of time for kids just to go and play because they found that that activity actually made them learn more and grow yeah. more. And, uh, and I think that's totally true. When I was a kid, so 
our parents encouraged us to get out there and play sports or to get out there and just like goof off. We would build forts. We would create our own little Olympics in the backyard. Oh my gosh, and, we did that too. Oh my gosh, all these little things, but they, they just didn't want us sitting inside just yeah. staring at a screen. And I think that's probably even harder nowadays because there wasn't there wasn't an internet like there is now. Yeah. What about you guys? What else? We yeah. would play um, volleyball in the living room. Like we would hit it up against the the wall, and mm-hmm. we had to keep it up. That we was were really not fun. allowed to do that. My my dad would not be happy because <laughs> they had a lot of little breakables and things, and so we had to take any of that rough housing or. That's sports the stuff thing. Outside. Like I don't want the house to be like. To me, the house itself is not precious. And yeah, I, not that I don't care that things break, like I want to take care of stuff, but I also mm-hmm. don't want people to come in and be like, oh, I can't ruin that. Or, oh, I can't like mess that up because it looks too perfect. Like, that's, yeah. what's mm-hmm. the point? Well, you know how I am. I like everything in this I know. place. So it's going to be interesting mm-hmm. when we have kids that come along and um, see if it's, if that's, but I, I think I'm kind of like with you, like at the end of the day, if, we had somebody over or even when we have kids, if they broke something at the end of the day, I'm like, I don't really care. It's yeah. just something, but it'll be sad if it was, you know, a, a collectible or something that we brought from one of our memories on a trip or something like that. Yeah, but, but then you could just glue it back together. True. And then it's another craft day. There you go. Perfect. <laughs> Win-win. Um, what else? We, we used to play, James and I used to play Power Rangers. I don't know how you play Power Rangers, but we did. You wear, you wear Spanx um, and you put on a mask. And we would climb trees. Oh yeah, we were monkeys. And we, we actually in our forest because we were backed on to the forestry, and so we would go out and we would bring all these materials um, to build. And then so I, we would take my dad's tools to get out there and build. But then we would start to bring stuff from the house that we would we would stage it like a little living area and a, like a bed area. Not that was we your ever first slept property? out there. That was yeah, your first basically. property. Yeah, it kind of was. Maybe there's still this rock fort. <laughs> Actually, I think it's now a big subdivision. Someone's going to find it and be like, yeah. there was an ancient civilization yeah. here. Yes. This was their toilet. <laughs> they weren't very civilized. Thanks for joining us, everyone. This has been a lot of fun. I want to say a huge thank you to Brandon Angelino, our podcast producer. And I want to say a huge thank you to Annalie Bell, our researcher. As well as, we'll just keep tapping each other's knees while we say this as well as Victoria Sean, Chad Carlson for our music Feels Like Home. And thanks to you guys for listening and joining us. Yes, we'll talk to you guys again soon. I want you guys to text me 310-496-8667. Tell me something that you've done to bring a bit of play into your life. Well, that'll be nice. Yeah, good yeah. to hear. Then this is also me being lazy because I learned from them and then we can incorporate that into <laughs> True, our lives. True, yeah. And if you enjoy the podcast, feel free to rate and tell your friends. Tell all your friends. We're the tell coolest friends, place to hang out. Tell your cats. Tell your dogs. All of pigs. them. And then, oh, lastly, Linda, love you. Love you. <laughs>